Hello and welcome back to the AdRace podcast, episode nine. I'm Fayola Douglas and today I'm joined by Amplify Creative Strategist, Chelsea Matada. Hello. Chelsea has a background in beauty and journalism and is always sharing interesting insights, news and stories. She recently founded Nightstand Service, Gen Z's first sexual wellness brand, connecting a new generation of lovers to sex, dating and relationships. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about how sex and relationships are being portrayed in modern marketing. So we're being told that Gen Z are not having sex. So I really want to find out if sex still sells. So hi, Chelsea. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I don't know where the mic is in this magical room. (laughs) So I thought what what would be really good is if we can start off by hearing a bit more about nightstand service. Okay, yeah, so no, I've been thinking about nightstand service for a long time, um, since about 2021. It's a sexual wellness brand, definitely centred around the relationships and intimate lives of the next generation, Gen Z, believe it or not. I'm actually a part of that camp, even though secretly... <laughs> you say believe it or not? <laughs> no, because secretly I want to be a Gen X. Like, imagine li- living in the time of, like, Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and seeing all that go down. Like, that just sounds amazing. But I'm actually a Gen Z, 1998, solid. Um, and something that's so crazy to me is that no one's having sex, no one's getting into relationships, um, especially in comparison to older generations. And I think that's really strange and sad and weird. And I would like to get to the bottom of it through my little nightstand service so I call it a brand but it's actually a lot more than that um and it's definitely going to be more than that at the moment we're kind of building a community sharing insights news and stories around sex dating relationships kind of decoding how sex and dating and all of those topics show up in culture whether it's from you know business and the advertising world to film and fashion um we're just trying to get in, like to the root of you know what is this what does it mean and what do we do next to improve how we feel about how we love ourselves and how we love others so of course every brand is trying to connect with gen z and if anyone's been through old street station recently or seen pretty much any big billboard they probably would have seen tinder's latest campaign so it's called it starts with a swipe and one of the main tv ads that people might have seen it's by mischief at no fixed address on Tinder, you had no idea you'd go all the way. Across the world. For your destination wedding. It starts with a swipe. Tinder. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. You know what? This is my first time actually watching the video content. Um, I don't know if you had a question. I'm just going to dive right in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, when I first saw that it starts with a swipe campaign, it was because they had their out-of-home billboards all over Shoreditch. Like, you couldn't yeah. escape it. All over Shoreditch. Um, I think it was all over Shoreditch High Street Station. And I think I also saw the billboards in Old Street. And yeah. as you can tell, this is my normal commute. Yeah. So I couldn't take my eyes off it. And I just thought it was fantastic. And obviously working in strategy with Amplify, um, I could literally work backwards on what the insights were, was, like what the insights were, what the um, like strategic framework, like who they were targeting. I thought it was amazing. Amazing. And as as a Gen Z who looks at Tinder and instantly has a negative re- like feeling and response towards it, because you know, growing up, Tinder was probably the first introduction to dating that I had. You know, online dating, dating. in general, or just yeah, dating, online dating. Yeah, dating in general, like wow. online dating apps. You know, social media dating. That's been the norm since I was off age. <laughs> I mean, of course you can lie. <laughs> but no, I just, I just feel like for that to be people's like first interaction with, kind of seeking out a relationship or making that kind of connection with a partner, is wild. Yeah, yeah like so, it's, it's the wild west on Tinder. Genuinely, on the, genuinely, and as young, you know, it's probably not good to say this, but as young as like sixteen, seventeen. The girls, we were all going on Tinder, you know, lying that we were 18 just to see what was going on. Because, of course, we're curious, you know, yeah. this is the way to meet guys. I went to an all-girls school. So, of course, we, you know, we're trying to get, like, the 19-year-old cool guys, you know, in university. <laughs> you know, we're in sixth form or year 11, like, thinking that we're, you know, Great amazing. Off. Jesus Christ. But um, <laughs> that was definitely, like, my introduction to Tinder. And, you know, it was an extension of social media, of my Instagram portfolio. And of course, then getting the instant gratification, not from friends, but from guys swiping me and getting that constant dopamine hit, validating that I was, you know, beautiful or um, desirable, which was obviously, you know, at 16, 17, 18, that is a point in your life where you don't necessarily feel that, but are constantly um, seeking that type of attention because it's your kind of marker of what... um, you know, adulthood or, you know, femalehood is, or womanhood, sorry. Um, So, yeah, no, Tinder has been, and social media dating has been a part of my life for a long time. And, of course, Tinder and the way it was used as the years went by automatically got linked to, you know, hookups and... Ghosting. Ghosting. And, you know, you go on it and guys are not going to take you seriously. They're going to automatically think that, you know, you're just, you know, a layabout. And all these... swiping almost became... um, to have, like, negative connotations to it. The fact that it is just judging someone on face value and you're not getting any of that depth from from that person. So this advert is kind of trying to twist that on its head, isn't it? It's like, love, like, almost like love at first swipe, you know, as opposed to... 
as, as opposed to lust. Listen, yeah. As yeah. opposed to lust at first swipe. And that's always been the belief of what um, social media dating is. You find a person attractive. And, and of course, that's still, that's still true. Whether you're looking for a relationship or not, you're still basing, you know, based on how it works, you're still basing um, that swiping right on your instant attraction, what your type yeah. on paper is, etc. But But I think the negative impact of that is, is that it... Desensitised yeah. a whole generation. Yeah, a yeah. whole generation into having fast um, gratification when it comes to, you know, romantic relationships, not knowing that you have to work for it. You have to create actual bonds before you yeah. jump into bed with someone. And if then if that is your choice and if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But then also where are the conversations around, you know, consent, around... Um, you know, actually having conversations around what makes you feel uncomfortable, what makes you feel comfortable. Or people's expectations of that first meeting or of that relationship. Yes, absolutely. And also even the representation of the different um, kind of genders and sexualities um, weren't being represented. So people, I'm sure, have ended up in really, you know, scary situations because of, like, you know, the swipe right attitude and that that algorithm attitude to um, dating. So... Going back to the ad, what I found amazing was that I could see that they've done that research on that new generation of lovers, which was, of course, something that is really important to me and something that Nightstand already, you know, is standing for. Of like, they looked at Gen Z, they saw the amazing breadth of subcultures, communities, um, you know, ways of thinking that exist in this generation. They did not think of us as just this, you know, this homogenous group of people. Yeah you know, running around and, you know, we're non-binary and, you know, we don't want to get into serious relationships and, like, no, and TikToking all day. Actually, there are loads of different people within this generation who, you know, seek long-term partnerships, who seek maybe polyamorous relationships, who seek walking down the aisle, who, who also seek just, you know, maybe having a life partner and not going down the aisle and being with them for a long time, who seek friendship before they seek, um, you know, romantic um, connections. And I loved it. I just thought it was fantastic. The representation I thought was great. I loved the styling of it. Um, the visual um, aesthetics kind of reminded me of like this Barbie dream yeah, house. Yeah, quite sort of. like futuristic, but like yeah, dreamy. Like, and... Yeah, like this dreamy, yeah. super retro, but also super futuristic. You know, it's, it's just caught you caught your eye immediately, and I just I thought it was fantastic. I can't wait, you know, to see how that goes, and I'd be very interested to see what the stats are to see if they do end up getting more signups from that generation. Because at the moment, again, my perception of Tinder is just going to get a bunch of you know forty year olds <laughs> sniffing on you know twenty five year olds. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, think, yeah. I definitely, when I saw the ads, I felt like they weren't trying to appeal to me. So it's really interesting to hear what, like, the, probably their target audience, like an actual like Gen Z yeah. woman, kind of thinks about those adverts. Yeah. But I definitely agree with what you said about yeah. the different types of couples that they were showing, especially in their print ads and in the TV ads. But then, you know, the level of diversity and um, they also like have it's quite playful in the way that they are talking about these different types of relationships. Lots yes. of like double entendres and like trying yes. to be quite clever with um 
with the storytelling. So yeah. I thought it was nice. Because it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. Um, and at the end of the day, like love and dating, it's all about discovery. And they really brought that discovery, playfulness element to the forefront um, across all of the kind of different types of imagery that they um, that they posted. So yeah, I just, I thought it was fantastic. I can't wait for the next one. Um, and I really hope that other dating apps take notes. So up next, we're going to continue on the dating app focus. And it'd be great to chat a bit about Bumble. So Bumble, of course, tried to do things a bit differently from a lot of the other dating apps out there in the fact that they are kind of female focused. So the woman almost has to make the first move. Right? Yes. Um, so I've got two ads that I want to show you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is uh, the Romance Gap, and this is by 72 and Sunny Amsterdam. Let's talk about the Romance Gap, because there is a gap. If romance was equal, how come he still has to ask me out, go in for the kiss, and buy the ring? And why do we secretly want that? If romance is equal, why do I feel feisty when I'm honest, intense when I want commitment, and slutty if I don't? So that was The Romance Gap by 72 and Sunny Amsterdam. And their hashtag is make romance equal. That is interesting. I like the messaging. Um, I think the messaging is very important. Like they spoke about consent they spoke about um you know the importance of yeah like having that courage to to be the first and kind of going against that social the social ideas around femininity and what should be expected around genders especially as you know with gen z gender is becoming more fluid like a lot of gen z's um a lot of Gen Zs think of themselves as more fluid in their kind of sexuality and gender um, more than the older generations. I think the thing that I struggled with, and I, this is just very much a, an opinion, a personal opinion, yeah. is that I think that advert would have had more punch to it if it came from men. Because, um, or, you know, male-identifying people. Because I feel like the problem in society around the you know expectations of gender is a construct that was created by men like the traditional ideas around what men and masculinity is and i feel like that teaching should come from you know from boys to other boys as yeah. opposed to because everything that they said is you know it's encouraging for women to hear but it's not necessarily something that women don't already know it's women that have made the steps to you know for gender equality for gender equality you know from the boardroom to the bedroom it's women who are taking the steps to you know t- take more control of you know their sex lives and dating lives and even more so as we look at the younger generations i think the problem when it comes to the romance gap at the moment is having men feel comfortable um, to also acknowledge that this is the case and understand that this is also something that's happening Um, and also be comfortable striking up the conversation with the people that they're dating when it comes to what their expectations are in terms of, you know, 
you know, romance and the actions that are asked of it, etc. Because it's a complicated conversation because it's so also individual to the people you're speaking to. Um, but yeah, I like the messaging. I think it was important, but I think it would be way more impactful to hear that from men. Because unfortunately, when it comes to Bumble, um, again, like a lot of dating apps skew a lot older than Gen Z. Yeah. There may be, you know, maybe there may there maybe there's a rise. Maybe I have I haven't read the stat, but from from what I've seen, I think it was something like fifty six percent of people who use dating apps are older. Um, yeah. And then it gets lo- and as the as you know the age um, decreases, the you know the um, least they are to go on dating apps. Yeah. Gen Z are actually wanting to meet people in real life, Amazing. which is surprising. Which was probably surprising to a lot of people. But again, the reason that is is because we're exhausted from the internet. Okay, so here's the stat. It says, um, 45% of respondents have met their partners in real life. This is a Gen Z study by Dazed. Um, This decreased the younger the age group, followed by dating apps, 25%. Like, people want to meet in person. People don't want to be... Like, we use our social media to speak to our friends, to speak to our family, you know, to laugh, to communicate, to be entertained. Now, when it comes to finding love, we need to swipe as well. It's exhausting. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's where I feel like that's... I, yeah, I didn't... It wasn't as exciting to me. Yeah. But, like, great. <laughs> so, um, so, Bumble did their, their own bit of research, and they said that... Um, of women who they spoke to uh, felt that men should take the lead in romantic relationships. Do you find that surprising or do you you think that's quite... um, I guess they talk to all age ranges, but do you think that that is quite normal? I think that's very normal. Um, I think that's very normal. I think that... Again, with a lot of these dating apps, they're speaking to straight men, no, straight women who were dating straight men. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in that bubble of, you know, devastation. <laughs> because straight, straight women, in terms of the stats of straight women and straight men, it seems like they're just, we're just generally suffering <laughs> um, in, that, um, in, in that kind of form. But, yeah, I think that there is these you know, societal, cultural expectations of men should do this and women should do this. And hopefully, you know, that is something that, you know, we can dismantle as the years go by or even just be open to the diversity of experience, like, with people. You know, if if you want the guy to be opening the door and paying for your meals and asking you out first because it makes you feel more feminine and more like a woman then I completely get that you know like I'm I, I love it's I, like a preference exactly you know? like I love it when a guy you know does you know drives the car etc but also at the same time upon discussion upon understanding who that person is and how they want to be in the world I'm open to negotiating that um but I feel like you know, it's very, very much on an individual basis. And I think especially when it comes to, you know, straight straight women and straight men together, I feel like they're more likely to fall into that. But again, I think with Gen Z, as sexuality becomes more fluid, as gender becomes more fluid, I think a lot of this is going to be on a case-to-case basis. 
And I've got another ad here from Bumble, and this is featuring Amy Lou Wood, and it's by 10 Days. And it's it's basically a, a one-girl show um, featuring Amy Lou Wood, who, of course, we know from Sex Education. Right. It's time to go outside, isn't it? Though, seriously, no pressure. Well, maybe chuck out those leggings, babe. Have you seen that gusset? It's a lot. Meeting someone new after all this time, but that's okay. Everybody's in the same boat, and you have got so much to look forward to. So this one, this ad came out as we were being let outside from the pandemic, and I guess it's just creating a bit of a joke around that. What did you, um, what did you think of how she kind of approaches that idea of you know meeting in person? I guess it's like you first have that first introduction on an app, but and people being a bit hesitant after the pandemic. Do you think people? are back to meeting meeting in person now or kind of interested in that style of dating? Um, yeah, I think, you know, if that, that ad was released straight after the pandemic, I think that's accurate. I think a lot of people, you know, were a bit weirded out by the amount of people outside. I think especially when I think back to, like, late 2021, 2020, early 2022, I was still like, oh, my goodness, everyone's outside, no mask, you know, shaking hands, kissing on the cheek. Oh! <laughs> They're kissing on the mouth. They're kissing on the mouth. Sorry, kissing on the mouth. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that's a great, probably overall cross generational representation of how everyone felt um, post pandemic dating um, and getting used to that. I think that what I love about their choice with Amy is the fact that they reacted to that moment. Sex Education was, I think, is such a fantastic show. It makes me so proud um, in terms of their representation of Gen Z, their diversity, their comedic storytelling. I don't know if it's a British... Obviously, it's based in Britain. I don't know if it's a British production, because obviously it's under Netflix. But I just feel like it feels so recognisable in terms of the culture of sex, dating, love, you know, that teenage angst and trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, etc. And especially um, Amy, the character that Amy plays, her storyline, um, is, is very, very special um, in terms of, like, talking about consent, etc. But, yeah, I think that I, I love the fact that they chose her and I think she was the perfect choice um, in kind of presenting that anxiety, you know, in a very fun-loving, comedic, um, British <laughs> manner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really... I, I enjoyed that ad. I wonder what the responses were yeah. um, under the comments. I just thought out of the... The reason I kind of picked that ad especially to show you was because in comparison to the other ad, which I think speaks is trying to speak to all women, mm-hmm. I feel like this one was specifically... And they've done they've gone out there to try and create something that is more targeted towards Gen Z. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good to, well, good to hear that they kind of did um, hit the mark on that one. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, as we talk about, you know, the pandemic and its impact on Gen Z, I was... I had, you know, some dating experience 
you know, I, I was actually in a relationship during the pandemic with my first boyfriend. So, you know, the idea of like all dating and what's happening there, etc., wasn't such a big question mark for me. But I can imagine, let's say, the people who were supposed to be going into university that year, 2020, yeah. that's when you have that, you know, the year of 18 and 19, that is when you're testing your boundaries, seeing what you like, what you don't like, meeting new people. And that, that didn't happen for them. And I feel like that... And I think, and again, that's what that um, ad reminds me of, of like that, just that first of like, oh my goodness, what is happening? How do I even like, like I love that. She said, do I touch them? <laughs> you know, like what, what, what's the what's the energy here? How yeah. do we interact with each other um, in a way that's, you know, I guess more than friends, but not quite together. And, you know, it's so sad that there isn't enough forums um, for young people to go to. And again, plugging in nightstand service, mm. that's what I, I really want Gen Z to be able to have a space where you can discuss the awkward stuff, the fun stuff, the interesting stuff, um, and see how all of this plays into who you are and, of course, how it plays out in um, in culture and what we're seeing. Um, but, yeah, sorry, I feel like that was a very like long-winded, roundabout explanation as to why I like that ad. That's fine. So one of the, I guess, I'm, I don't know if what they're the, the oldest brand in it, but one of the brands everyone would have probably come across when it comes to conversations around sex is Durex. So, of course, Durex sell condoms and lots of other sexual wellness products, whatever, however you would describe them. So um, this year, to mark International Women's Day, uh, Durex interrupted a high-pressure game at key moments to highlight the anticlimactic nature of the orgasm gap. <laughs> I'm here in London with a bunch of football fans about to watch a big match. What they don't know is that the screen is going to be turned off right at those climatic moments to give them that feeling of missing out. This International Women's Day, I'm on a mission with Jurex to help bring more equity into the bedroom and close the orgasm gap, as new research from them has found that according to sexually active UK adults, women are four times less likely to always orgasm during partnered sex compared to men. Hello, we're back. We're back, yeah. So, of course, Durex, some um, some spectators of that game didn't seem surprised <laughs> for some reason. Um, well, I guess... So they had a stat in that that really I, I found so interesting, which was when asking about the orgasm gap, they said 34% of women don't feel disappointed um, if they don't orgasm during um, sexual intercourse with their partner. And I thought that was just a testament to the impact that the orgasm gap has had on women and their own sexuality and their own pleasure when it comes to their bodies. Um, you know, through... Obviously, again, a society that's always, you know, championing male pleasure um, and villainizing um, female pleasure um, that we see through porn, that we see through 
through film, and that we even see through advertising um, for as long for as long as man has had pen and paper, um, women <laughs> have been villainized um, for their own sensuality. Um, so it's no surprise that in 2023, 34% of women don't even feel the need to feel disappointed because they don't know what it is to, to experience pleasure in the bedroom, which is honestly, it's just a travesty. Not to be dramatic. <laughs> so do you th- do you feel that Durex? I don't think um, through the rest of their advertising or just through their brand and their image, do you think that they are a brand that appeals to appeals to Gen Z? I feel like they're almost um, they're kind of the staple brand when you think about a condom Absolutely. in the UK. Yeah, they're the they're the brand, um, the main brand name in that space. Absolutely. Um, when I think of a condom, I think of Durex. You yeah. know, no offense to the other brands out there. You know, there are great brands. There's Hanks, which is, you know, I think, I believe it's a female-owned um, sexual wellness company. They actually did a pop-up quite recently um, last year um, outside of Shoreditch High Street Station, where you know they had the condoms and they looked like flowers. You could come and collect some free condoms, which I thought was great. Um, there's a new um, company called We Are Sex Brand, um, who you know every time you buy a condom um that I, I think it works that every time you buy a condom condoms are also given out to countries where condoms can't be afforded so i feel like you know durex are definitely the staple in the uk but i feel like there are a lot of amazing up-and-coming brands who are you know looking at condoms in a new way looking at condoms in a way where it's like okay how do we create condoms that women don't feel maybe embarrassed to buy and purchase for themselves because of course you know when it comes to you know sexual equality everyone needs to feel comfortable buying a condom it's about protecting the both of you yeah um you know women are actually more likely to bring protection into the bedroom um more than men um especially with the younger generation so it's just like you know, protection is key. Sexual health is, you know, key. And I feel like, you know, Durex, sorry, just thinking about Durex and the cultural landscape, I do think that they are the leader. So I think it's great that they did something like that and kind of shared the interesting insights around it. Yeah. So leading on quite nicely um, from that, I think it would be good if we could chat a little bit more about sex brand so obviously they were co-created by uncommon and sex brand is a new sexual wellness brand which aims to save sex with openness confidence and education and they've had they've got some quite large and in charge looking ads Mm -hmm. right orange like think orange backdrop big bold letters sex brand yeah (laughs) Lovely. How long do you think they took to select that track? <laughs> they probably spent weeks. Like, no, we need something more bass. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? We should ask someone from Uncommon to comment. <laughs> um, probably a hard, it, works, it works well, but it was probably like yeah. a hard pick. Like, it took a while. Yeah, I think... Um, Actually, the thing that I love the most... Your parents had more sex than you. Literally, that is what caught my eye. I didn't see um, 
their billboards in real life. I only saw their social media posts. Um, but I just thought that was a great point. And they're absolutely right. Our parents are did have more sex than that than us and probably still are. <laughs> God bless them. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, again, a, a survey by Dazed said that we are essentially living in a generational dry spell. Most people are not having any sex at the moment. Gen Z are having the least sex out of any age group, which I just think is absolutely hilarious because growing up you would have thought Gen Z were like the most raunchiest like don't know nothing like just acting wild yeah. but it's not us it's the millennials and the Gen X and the boomers especially you know <laughs> who are getting it on in all, in all kinds of shapes and forms I'm sure um and yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way. I think that's an amazing way to be obviously very sex positive um, and, you know, very, you know, direct and encouraging. Um, because, yeah, I think, you know, again, sex, dating, relationships, intimacy, however you decide to express yourself physically in that way should be encouraged. You know, a lot of especially, you know, post-pandemic as a generation who grew up literally watching porn, I mean, at such a young age, we could access porn as easy as one, two, three, and it's only getting easier, um, you know, as the years go by. And that has such a negative impact um, on men, women, um, and especially non-binary people. Um, again, another stat, women and non-binary people believe that porn has impacted how they've been treated. Um, and over 50% more than men. And I just, it's just, I would rather a sex brand, sex, especially a sexual health brand, is cut and dry and he's like, yeah. look, have more sex. Why? Your parents are having, you know, had more sex than you. You know, like just egging us on. Yeah. Right, egg us on. And also, not only do that, but also take the responsibility as a brand to then be like, this is how you go about it. You need to be safe. You need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to have these discussions about consent and what the safe words are and, you know, and understand, you know, why it is you have the maybe sexual urges that you do and, you know, and discussing openly what type of relationships you want, whether it be, you know, monogamous, polyamory or just casual, whatever it may be. And I feel like the more... Uh, and I'm really excited to see what the We Are Sex brand does next. They have some lubes as well. They've got condoms, um, which I think is like their first hero product that they have. Um, and I think they also have like a little mini vibrator toy. Um, I had a little nose around their website. But um, yeah, I think it's great for that the way that they've kind of coupled this idea around, I think Uncommon said, thinking about a sexual wellness brand a, like a like a fashion brand or like a community forgive yeah. me guys if i'm saying it incorrectly but i just i think that's a really good way to look about it and obviously empower the next gen of lovers <laughs> i think some of the um some of the things you mentioned there specifically around uh pornography that is something that uh, sex brand are trying to address because one of their key ads says partners before porn and that's of course addressing addressing that but also, I think that they're trying to, I guess, do some key things to really kind of bring in that Gen Z audience. Sustainability. Yes. The condoms are biodegradable, you know? We love, love to hear one plastic straws, so why should we be using plastic condoms? So? Yeah, and, almost, and that can't be good for anyone's health. Like, people will shout, shout at us for drinking plastic bottles, so now we need to... 
you know, EPA free. You need like a <laughs> you're getting a plastic bottle. So now, yeah. now you can have a yeah biodegradable condom. And yeah. then the other thing is, um, I think you mentioned this earlier, the fact that they're actually going to be giving condoms away to um, I guess people who aren't able to necessarily buy their own protection. Do you know what? And that was the best thing that I heard, that I that I read when it came to their their press release. The fact yeah. because, you know, again, like when we think about Gen Z, Gen Z don't only think about themselves. Yeah. They are a very, you know, cross channel like worldly generation you know we're friends with people from you know like across the world we are aware of what's happening across the world and i feel like you know buying into something that also has a knock-on positive impact is always um a great thing not only for gen z but obviously for everyone involved so yeah kudos to you we are sex brand can't wait to be best friends with you we're gonna be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're gonna get wild. Oh god. Well, not like that. So this is oh the goodness. dirty talking polar bear. Oh no. Producing you with his sustainable products in uh, this spot for wild. Wait, what's wild? It's natural deodorant. Sarah? It's not what it looks like. What is it? You'd know I'd never kink shame. It's just... Is it roleplay? Bondage? Hentai? Footstuff? Bear on bear? Cosplay? Size queens? Gimps? Not furries. It's hard to explain. Human-caused climate change has decimated her habitat. It's climate change. Oh, no. My profile did say that bit about wanting to be with someone who lives on the edge. Yeah? Of extinction. Wow, what an experience that ad is. Um, When I first watched it, I was genuinely flabbergasted. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't sure what they were trying to sell. Yeah. And you don't really find out until the end. Because first I was like, oh, like, are they... They're essentially saying that, like, um, you know, being environmentally friendly is sexy it's a turn on you know and i guess you know sex sells because it does get your attention because you're thinking oh my goodness like you know what are they gonna sell and there's so many brands who have used this um this is trick as old as time you know you sell sex or you have sexual cues um you know and it gets people watching i think the relationship dynamic is strange because she's in love with the stuff polar bear Almost. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, that doesn't feel like crazy the to weird me. Thing. That's, that's not that's, the weird thing. That's not normal. <laughs> because, if we, because we're also thinking about like, there's so many things I've seen in British advertising, like the M&M situation of like, I don't know, it's probably an example you have, but like the M&M situation, the Maltesers ads, like there's, you know, even some of the Galaxy ads or the Magnum ads, like my goodness. Or the Muller Light even. Oh, the yeah. Yogurt. Yeah. And it... <laughs> And I just and I feel like it's a part of I think to me it's a part of just British humour. Like I don't know how well that would play in America, but I feel like you know sometimes as a kid I would see these like incredibly sexually coded adverts and I just thought it was hilarious and kind of a part of like that British you know humour and culture um, of you know innuendos and all of that and I just thought it was hilarious um, and I don't think we take ourselves that seriously um, 
as a peoples, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to to, to sex. Uh, I think we make fun of it um, and we're more comfortable in doing that, which I think is great um, to a certain extent. So I think it would be good to lump together um, some of these uh, food ads kind of and talk about them as one. So, of course, you mentioned some examples there. We've got, like, M, um, the M&M, the sweets, where there were, there's been quite a few ads they that they've done around... Um, that are very like sexually coded. Yeah, like like, like the M Ms are basically like the like the person is cheating on their partner with M Ms, yeah. and they'll walk into the bedroom yeah. and we'll be like, "What? Like you you did it without me or yeah, something?" It's like, like, and then she's just like, "I couldn't help myself." And they're in and she's in bed with like a full size M M&M, and it's so weird, but it's so out of pocket that it's just fine. Um, yeah, or even like the Malteser ads. Well, there's been one recently from Malteser. Mm. Everyone, this is Grandma's companion, Gerard. Companion. He calls him that because he doesn't want to imagine us getting it on. Hello. So, so even that is like you know the son's introducing yeah. his his elderly. Mum to the rest of the family, and obviously her and Gerard are getting on. It's like Maltesers trying to look on the light side, like yeah. And I think it's like that communication of, you know, oh he doesn't want she, he doesn't want to imagine us getting us on, and the fact that he takes out a Malteser, <laughs> we all now know that he's a freak. <laughs> Because literally, in, I mean, growing up, all the Malteser ads that I remember, it was always a situation where it'd be like a couple of friends are eating Maltesers, and the more the more that they eat Maltesers, like the naughtier and raunchier they would get with their language, and you know they would start you know making all these noises, and yeah. you know, and that so it's just so funny how they've really created this you know recognizable. This is like Maltesers, you know, you get your naughty side out, etc. That now we're presented with a situation. They haven't really said much, but no. we just got a Malteser out and we're like, oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And I thought this one as well from Malteser, it's a good example of how they're trying to showcase how maybe Gen Z and or even millennials as well are in different types of relationships. My nosy aunt goes. When are you and Sam planning on getting married? Oh, so what did you say? Oh. No, we're just friends with benefits. That's lovely. I think it's like very telling of a, of a generational gap that there is yeah. between how older people kind of see our relationships as in like, okay, when you, like how fast can you get down the aisle versus mm -hmm. The younger generation, like, yeah, just almost not wanting to be part of that conversation. Yeah, and again, it's like that running theme around dating, relationships, sex, being naughty, but like in that what five, fifteen seconds, it's just like it's entertaining. I get it. Put a smile on my face, and you know what? Next time I see a Malteser, I might consider it. And also, Malteser is such a group activity, like in every. In every ad that I've ever seen of Malteser, it's always with a friend or with a group of people. You're sharing, you're sharing these stories, you're sharing, you know, all this chocolate. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that's great. That's great. Do you think that um, one thing I, I was thinking, especially about Malteser, not so much M&Ms, but definitely like when you have Maltesers, like yogurts, Diet Coke, 
that they're try- they're definitely trying to appeal to women as opposed to just uh, sex selling. It's like trying to appeal to a female audience through, um, I guess, through the lens of, of sex and sexuality. Yeah, I feel like more so with like the Malteser and the Muller adverts, definitely a more like feminine audience. And I don't even think those adverts would even appeal to a male gaze. However, I do think that with the Coca-Cola adverts and the way that they've represented women, I think with that has been more objectifying. Yeah. So they've objectified with the sex cells, but with like that Maltese advert, to me, in terms of the storyline and the way the women are presented, it's more um, of like that female gaze and sense of humour and the conversations that yeah. women do have when we get together. Like... I don't know if you've seen the meme of, like, the TikTok of, you know, when girls get together and you walk past their conversation and they're saying the most raunchiest things. Yeah, you hear, like, one line. You know? And you're like, like, oh, my goodness, like, what are those ladies talking about? But I feel like that's where that female gaze comes in of just, like, the actual reality of what women do when we are together. As opposed to maybe, like, Coca-Cola adverts, especially... the Diet Coke ones that we grew up watching, they've actually kind of tried to have a, a whole overhaul, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of their, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their ads. Yeah, because because at some point the sex was too much and it was objectifying. I don't want you to work all day, but I want you to be true, and I just wanna make love to you. So I've just treated Chelsea to an eye-opening experience of an advert that she was clearly too young to watch at the time it came out. And this is the Diet Coke, like the one with the, the gardener, where the can gets rolled down uh, the hill, soaks him wet, and then he has to take his shirt off, of course. Do you know what? <laughs> the, the problem with that is that, like, I understand... When did that come out? Do you know? I'm not sure. Time period? At least, like, nearly, like, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. I feel like, obviously, there is a massive difference between, you know, how men are presented and how women are presented, especially when it pertains to, like, our perceived sensuality and sexuality. And I feel like with that, it's it is objectifying. We can we can just say that's what it is, and I feel like and it's, there's no defense at all because that is objectifying a very like masculine male, um, which I feel like yeah it's cool it works maybe it's it's not as problematic as when you know sex is sold for the female perspective because we because there is a kind of political yeah. and cultural and social negative amplification of that on TV and how kind of men then see and end up actually treating women just due to the power dynamics, etc, etc. This specific ad, the one that um, that we were just watching, this is, uh, I guess, it's a remake of an old ad that Coca-Cola did. So this was made to kind of celebrate the 30th anniversary of their, their first ever, like, hunk mm. ad. So yeah. they took an old concept and tried to modernise it, but I guess without kind of twisting the storyline. But I think what's um, interesting about it is how it is in direct contrast to the Beyonce ad you were talking about, that is the Pepsi ad, and obviously how Pepsi... I think we kind of see 
um, historically Pepsi have been more objectifying of women, women whereas like Coca Cola is like objectifying men. Oh, yeah. So I guess you pick and your pick your brand. Uh, yeah, pick, pick your, your brand. brand pick your it. pick your battle. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Again, it's just I don't know the the lens of how we see the stuff on TV and then how it influences our buying decisions. It's just again so fascinating to me, especially when these ads are played in places like America. You know, Pepsi is you know very you know and Coca Cola very American brands. You know, they play all the time, etc. And I always wonder and curious to know what the reactions are because there's this, always this kind of thing of like hypersexuality, but also hyper chastity. You know, the rise of the rise of puritan culture amongst Gen Z, and you know, not wanting to see a level of sexuality on TV, um, you know, advertising and films included. So, yeah, I wonder what the next stage of advertising is when we think about sensuality and sexuality and gender and even nothing to do with like oh we are a sex brand it can even like like we said it can be a chocolate brand an ice cream brand fizzy drink brand (laughs) so to finish up we're going to be talking about one of your favorite brand examples who are kind of operating in this kind of sex and love relationship space it's Savage X Fenty. Woo! By the Queen Rihanna herself. What an interesting woman. Um, so I've been a fan of Savage X Fenty since launch. I believe they launched in late 2017 and then they had their first runway show in 2018 the shows are amazing the shows are amazing like performance are on a whole other level um they completely i mean victoria's secret must be quaking <laughs> must be absolutely quaking because even the timing was perfect yeah you know growing up um as a child essentially and my mum is also a big fan of, of, was a big fan of Victoria's Secret. She grew up in that era of, you know, the 90s, you know, full glam, etc., early noughties. So every year we would tune in to watch the Victoria's Secret fashion show. I mean, I can't imagine, uh, I know your your mum was not doing anything wrong and this was something that a lot of parents were doing, but to be viewing that as a child and kind of thinking of that as an expectation I of mean, beauty. It wasn't even... Like that, we were just really obsessed with like modeling. Yeah, like we love like Tyra Banks, Naomi yeah. Campbell, and obviously Victoria's Secret. You know, is like is one of those brands that you know, especially Tyra Banks, like really showed up for. She she's one of the kind of key. I, yeah, key I do angels. love Tyra. Yeah. Um. Tyra. So yeah. So that's that's how we kind of got into it through our love of Naomi and Tyra, and obviously Victoria's Secret. Um, the fashion show being such a spectacle, yeah. it was great to tune in. Well, it's all on the front covers of the press and stuff like that. Yeah. Like everyone was covering it as news. Yeah, and like and you know, growing up again, you're excited to get your first you know bloody training bra and you know. So it's like going for your first Victoria's Secret shop. It's like wow, you know, you're gonna get your first little. I mean, it's hardly a bra. It's more like a bloody sports bra or tank top. But you know, you do, you do your best what you have. But it's just like. I I was always aware of that kind of exhibition of, 
you know, feel of the female body. And I was always very comfortable with it um, in terms of viewing it and seeing the women just look so happy and so confident, etc. At that point, I was obviously as like a 12 year old kid. I'm not necessarily thinking about all like the negative implications or implications of um, the beauty standards and what's happening behind the scenes that we obviously are aware of now. Yeah. However, growing up, you know, as your body changes, as you are now kind of recognizing your own relationship with your sensuality, how you're presented, your desirability, that's when. Victoria's Secret then kind of wasn't such a great thing for me to view. You know, it became something that, you know, I felt isolated um, out of the stories that they were telling um, through their production, through their branding and campaigns. And then Savage X Fenty comes out 2017. Victoria's Secret, I think, announced that year that they weren't doing a show. I mean, but who cares? Savage X Fenty comes out everywhere plus size, size from size 6 to size 5XL, to Amazing. black women, to indigenous women, to, like, Asian women, like... Trans women, non-binary. Trans women, pregnant women. Yeah. I've never seen... Oh, and old as well. Old women. Yes. All ages, old that's women. important too, yeah. Like, and I just thought... Oh my goodness! Why hasn't anyone? I mean, I'm sure some you know smaller brands probably who don't have the kind of the platform. budget and the like the investment. Yeah. And I just thought that sorry, we're just fangirling at you know about Savage X, but I think just to make a point of when wanting to connect to um, not only a new generation of consumers, which of course Gen Z, but also shine a light on the communities who have not feel represented in this space, I think is just one of the most important duties that any like new brands need to do. Lingerie is such a huge part of our stories, how we identify um, with femininity, how we present ourselves in that way. And you know, and to even take it a bit further, it's like, okay, what is lingerie in the context of your normal life, in the context of, you know, the the actual action of sex, but also in the context of just feeling yourself. Yeah. And feeling like, you know, this is your first piece of armour for the day. You know, are you being lifted up and tucked properly? You know, does it make you feel sexy? Does it make you feel confident? There's so much to be said about, like, the psychology behind how people shop for their underwear. And in that first show, they nailed it. Like, seeing a pregnant woman walk down the runway with, you know, her, you know, little lingerie set on because thing is people in society act like pregnant women just 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 came out of the woodwork never had sex in their life how do you think how did how do we think she got pregnant in the first place she was wearing the lingerie and having sex so why not as a pregnant woman and as a mother she can't why does her sensuality now need to stop and like and savage x addresses that in an amazing way of like this is it this is beautiful eat it up or go away and they've continued to evolve that message through you know their inclusion of men and male representing people of non-binary people of um you know people who you know love to be in drag etc like i think it's just this amazing representation of i think which is hopefully the future of um sex sensuality and desirability desirability is whatever you make it and I feel like that is something that 
a lot of lingerie brands have failed to do yeah. um, up until now. I, I definitely think that they don't put one certain look or one standard of beauty above any other, and that's the thing that yeah. I love the most about them. They, they really do showcase such a diverse range of people, yeah. but not in a way that's celebrating any one singular person yeah. above, above the others, which is kind of just showing this is society, this is what we look like, yeah. and we should all be celebrated and we can all... Um, have sexual desires, be be sexual, but also be strong or, or be soft. Or yeah. they showcase all these different kind of facets of of a person, and it seems weird because we're literally just talking about a lingerie brand, but it kind of showcases people in in such a broad way. And this is just even focusing just on the show, let alone what they do on social media yeah. and the amount of different influences that they work with yeah. that do come from different kind of areas mm-hmm. of. Um, on social media, yeah. you know, they kind of really try to cover like a broad, a broad yeah. reach, and yeah. I think it works. Yeah, and I feel like you know these t- lingerie to me is just a tool of intimacy. You know, it's the, your tool of intimacy with yourself and with you know who you choose. Um, and I feel like that is why brands, lingerie brands, sexual wellness brands, you know, brands that you know, have products that are specific to your body, I think just have a massive responsibility to present all bodies, you know. Not every brand has to present everybody. That's fine. Yeah. But when it comes to brands that connect to your your physical being, especially when it comes to those kind of ideas around intimacy and, you know, that type of wellness that we don't have enough of, you need to represent everybody because everybody, you know, we we didn't all come here by magic. Maybe at, maybe at, maybe at some point, but up until now, I believe everyone has been romping each other. So if that's the case, then we need to pay you know particular attention to how we um, communicate this via film, via advertising, via fashion. It's across the board, um, and everyone has that responsibility. Anyway, that's my final message. <laughs> well, brilliant. That is all we have time for. But before you, uh, before we go, um, just let us know where we can find you on social media, Chelsea, kind of where we can find that stand service as well. Yeah, you can find me, Chelsea Matada, on LinkedIn. It's the only personal social media that I currently have. The, the millennials have convinced me that LinkedIn is it, and they're right. And I'm also, I'm just done with Instagram. I mean, bloody hell. Oh. Um, but anyway, yes, find me on LinkedIn for personal stuff and obviously for work stuff. I'm always posting about something. But more importantly, Nightstand Service is on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. And we also have a lovely sub stack where you can find latest news stories and a little bit more deeper thoughts on how sex, dating and relationships is showing up in culture um and of course if you are seeking collaboration if you want to tell me a story if you just want to connect please email me or message me via those um social media um places i'm always open and i love making friends contrary to belief (laughs) viola thinks i'm just such a hermit which is true but i'll give you i'll give you i'll give you my time honey Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, And thanks for joining me. And I'll make sure to leave all all your links um, where people can find them. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Woo!